Centrelight exists to look at issues around faith, life and church in the 21st century. Hello, my name's John Keeley. And my name is Matt Grady. Coming up on today's episode. Break it down, prayer style Opportunities for sermonising. And are you a revolutionary? So John, what's happening? Well, with me, there's a lot of stuff going on. A bit of a busy time of the year. A couple of things we've done with uh, with my youth work. Uh, we did uh, backpacking at Tesco. We managed to raise £580, which is really good. And we were only there for three and a half hours. Um, So if we were there for a full day, we... Mm, It was good, yeah. I was really, really pleased. I was thinking we might get 250 or something, but it was really great. And then we had a Halloween disco, which was good. That was good fun. Um, Yeah, and there's just loads of stuff happening, really. There's a Christmas show coming up at the school that we've got some involvement in with um, a couple of pantos and um, a dance routine. (laughs) Yeah. Are you, are you choreographing or are um, you dancing? Dancing. Um, and so is Barry. Hello, Barry, if you're listening. Um, hope you've practiced. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff going on. I'm looking away, looking away, looking forward to going away at Christmas uh, for a couple of weeks because uh, that means then everything will be done. Mm. I won't have any yeah. deadlines by that point. <laughs> yeah. So, good. yeah, how about you? What's happening with you? Uh, well, let me just think. Well, uh, this isn't partly with me, this is partly with us, I suppose. We've updated the Centrelight feed on iTunes. We have. So oh, yeah. people need to, um, in theory, it should automatically, if you're subscribed to one, it should fix it. But actually, it'd be probably quite useful if you just manually subscribe to the new feed or you want to get any new episodes. Um, you might actually, I don't know if that works with people listening to this, maybe too late already. Yeah, maybe. If you're hearing this, you've done it right. Well done. Uh, I'm just finished, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we just finished Just Generation. Oh yeah, um, which I was involved with through work, um, put on a conference basically for young Christians um, to kind of engage with issues around justice and how that links in with their faith and how they respond to it and what we should do about it. And that's that. And then uh, we just had uh, one of the latest Centrelight lights. That's right. I yes, in Tinderbox. Yeah, that was, was good. That was some good questions. I had a nice slice of cake. Oh, okay. I don't know whether that had been eaten by the time. I don't know, it was lemon uh, and blueberry I'm cake. sure I saw evidence of cake. It was yeah. good. Lemon, lemon and blueberry, I've never heard of that combination. Well, it exists. Hmm. I, uh, this is totally unrelated to this, but I uh, just had a disappointing cake experience. Oh, we no. for a meal. And, uh, and there was a two, it was like one of those um, pre theater specials. Oh. So I said to the guy before I ordered, because it was all based around, can you do it? It's like a two course thing. Yeah, so yeah. you want to know what you want to get your best yeah, to. So before I picked my main course, I checked what the dessert option was. And so I said to him, What's the. What's that? And he said, um, Strawberry cheesecake. Oh, sounds good. And I was like, Okay, so I could pick my main course based on that. So you pick, I, I, so I, I, so you pick your main course based yeah. on the fact yeah. you're having strawberry cheesecake. Yeah. So I had chicken for the main course, case you're interested. Oh. And then, um, <laughs> then it arrived. Uh huh. Wasn't strawberry cheesecake. It was strawberry gato. Well, that's that's ridiculous. Quite a difference. And it wasn't until I was about three quarters of the way through that I realised because I was like, something's weird. <laughs> the strawberry cheesecake. And then I thought, yeah, it's the big spongy <laughs> bit in the middle. Because it's, it's not cheesecake. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Oh man. Are you okay? I, I got over it. Yeah. But, Good. But it was. A, I mean, it was a nice gato. If he'd said gato, I might have still yeah, had it. But and you might still have the chicken as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you did have the chicken anyway. Yeah. So there you go. So shall we move on? I think that's probably a good idea. Two quick question. Yeah. Um, I I'll prime the music. So Matt, I'll ask the question. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Here we go. 
Should we get prayer breaks? Hmm. Should we get prayer breaks? Well, I, I, my instinct is um, yes. Okay. Uh, We're talking about work. I probably yeah, should have mentioned that. Yeah, work. School yeah, as well? I, I, I assumed it worked, yeah. Hmm. At school, uh, yeah. Um, Let's maybe focus on work. Yeah, okay, so at work. Um, yes, it's t- two things come to mind instantly for me. One is um, the parallels of smoking, and yeah. the other is, for some reason, um, Ramadan. You've just compared praying to smoking, but good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I imagine that there is legislation that allows for people who are celebrating Ramadan to have ritual prayer times. Yeah. Uh, so why should it be any different for Christians? We should have prayer times as well. And same with smoking breaks. You see folk piling outside lots of offices all the time to have fags. So why shouldn't we have prayer breaks? Do you not think the argument would be though that when it comes to things like Ramadan, where you have to pray at fairly specific times, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have that. We don't have a festival where we have to pray at specific times. So, so, not... so does the business person or you know the company have an argument to say, well, surely you can just pray on your own time? Uh, okay, yeah, that's a valid, uh, valid point, and I hear you. Yes, but then I suppose the other side of that is, well, then you can smoke on your own time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe quick twist to the question: Should, as opposed to, as opposed to, no, should we get prayer breaks? Is one thing. Should we take prayer breaks? As in, should do Christians have a responsibility to pray over their work at regular intervals in the day? Ideally, yes, I think so. I suppose it could, can depend on the job you're in. There'll be some jobs where, or well, does it, or does it not? I mean, it depends. If you're up a massive tower fixing something, do you take a? I mean, do you just stop working for five minutes or so? If you like harnessed into something, if I'm up a massive yeah. tower working, I'm pretty much praying constantly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. But that's what I mean. But you're still working. Yeah. While you're doing true. it, because you, you know you can pray. Yeah, yeah. And work. Yeah. But should you actually take time and say, actually, I need time specifically for prayer rather than yeah. praying and working? So is it a question then that that prayer breaks are not really about prayerful observance and or connecting with God or any of that kind of stuff? But it's an opportunity for witness because by demanding your prayer break, you're making it obvious to people that you're praying. Yeah, I think I suppose it's two things. It is a witness. It's I'm praying now, but it's also the like giving everything to God. So you're not you're not kind of splitting your time. Yeah. You're actually giving everything you've got over that moment to focus on God. Oh, the music has stopped. Question answered. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could. Out there in listener land, get onto the Facebook page and uh, give us your thoughts on prayer breaks. Okay, I think it's now time for the discussion. And this episode, we're going to be looking at. Uh, it's quite an interesting question, and the words, the language that of the question, uh, does spark a few things to me. The question is, is a healthy church revolutionary? Um, Matt, I've asked the question again. I'm kind of <coughs> taking the lead on that one I, there. So. And I've coughed again. So. You've coughed again. So uh, what's, your, it's a healthy church. what's your initial thoughts on that? Um, I think, I suppose it depends on definitions a little of, of revolutionary. 
but my instinct is yes, uh, from a number of, I guess it comes from a different, few different areas. So there's revolutionary in the sense that, as in revolting against something, um, and in a, my mind, in a sense that, given that we live in an imperfect world at the moment, and the way that we, as humans, have shaped the world that we live in, that we maybe that, that doesn't match with Christian beliefs and values, so it's very difficult for us to be satisfied with that. So therefore, we would be revolting against it or having some form of revolution against yeah. that. Is that always something to yeah. revolt against? Um, so that's not saying that we should revolt for just for the sake of it, but if, when there are things like, for example, if we disagree with Guantanamo Bay, mm. or the, you know, if we protested against wars, or if we are against nuclear power, or you know, the, whatever the issue is, but you know, um, then we have a you know, healthy churches should be outraged at some of the atrocities that happen in the world, and we should be taking action. So yeah, that, that we should be revolutionary in that sense yeah I think so a healthy church should always be looking to change the world or the community for the better yeah um, and as you said just then about not doing it for the sake of doing it but actually I don't know whether there, there is a, something to be said for doing that you know you you pick an issue and you I mean the problem I suppose the problem is you're never ever gonna possibly never gonna solve a problem um, so should you focus on that problem and always focus all your resources mm. and attention on one problem just to make the situation better and better or do you kind of spend a certain amount of time on this issue raising awareness about it and then move on to something different mm. well I mean, or do you do you start with something and then kind of get you know you kind of break off and you pick you, you build build up kind of a portfolio portfolio mm -hmm. of things to be Revolting against it, if that makes sense. <clears throat> I think there's a, there's a school of thought that says that you should that multitasking is actually very inefficient. That we should all be unitaskers and we should all focus on one thing and do it well. So you could make an argument that would say that you should pick one area of work, whether that's global poverty or whether it's working with asylum seekers in your local community and their rights or what you know whatever that that might be. And just focus on that, even if you're not going to win that battle in the long term, because I suppose ultimately you don't know how you could be surprised at the battles you can win. I suppose there's maybe an idea for church coming up in here, actually, where you actually almost develop a, a kind of a calendar of tackling issues. So for January, you look at this issue, you focus mm. all your attention on that. You February, you look at this issue, and maybe it's maybe quarters rather than months, but you could actually then the next year go back to that issue mm -hmm. so you you don't forget about it yeah in its entirety yeah I mean I think that can work because that's that's multi-unitasking so <laughs> I describe that because, because there's that element of that idea that whilst being focused on one thing there are natural periods of time when that issue is not prominent so mm. by focusing on something else at a different part of the year you're not distracting from, you know, as long as you're in control of that situation, you're not distracting from okay, I think yeah. that's kind of yeah, what, yeah. What, I guess that kind of matches what you've said so that, that definitely would work so I get, <laughs> if I backtrack slightly and say that actually I'm going to backtrack entirely because I'm just <laughs> a, new, a new train of thought and that is one that, something that I think is really important for churches is to have a really holistic approach 
-hmm. And one of the problems with focusing on one issue is that you exclude everything else or you force your issue into everything yeah. where it does, you know, and suddenly it becomes, you lose credibility in that sense. So actually, if you're focused on local poverty, for example, so derelict or derelict areas of housing in your local community, and you exclude other things, so you don't buy fair trade tea and coffee, and you don't, you know, you buy clothes from sweatshop manufacturer type places like and things like that, then you have to make the connections because the derelict area that you live in, the people there may engage in black market stuff like buying DVDs, mm. knocked off videos, things like that. Those things are funded through organised yeah. crime. Organised crime gets its money through there, you know, you can take that chain all the way back. So if farmers in Kenya are earning a decent wage, then they won't be engaging in criminal activities there. Yeah. So then there won't be there won't be people to you know, there's a whole chain of supply in there. Actually you have to have a totally holistic view. So if you're only focused on local poverty and you don't think about any of those other issues, then actually you could be continuing, you could actually be fueling local poverty. It's a really difficult, um, it's really difficult, uh, <laughs> I think that's, it's difficult because there is so much involved, mm -hmm. you know, you've just mentioned like five or six completely different issues which are all linked yeah. to the, you know, the issue of poverty in itself. Um, so how does one church combat all of that in its mm -hmm. entirety? Is that, is it possible or is it a case of actually recognising that maybe we need to link up with other churches or other organisations um, yeah. you know, actually more partnership working. I think so, because I think what I would emphasise is, I guess, I'm not I, get, um, I should make a decision of where I'm standing on this one, <laughs> um, I guess what I'm saying is that you have to have an overview of everything, yeah. but you can focus on the campaign on one issue, but you, you have to know how that or these other things impact on it, not exclude them and partnership working is a great way to do that because you can focus on your area and the people with the skills on international stuff can focus on that stuff. The people with the skills on environmental care could focus on that. You know, there's a whole range of stuff. The people who are focused on um, the rights of Christians in the UK or something, you know, can focus on that. So, mm. there's, yeah. I suppose uh, what might be useful is that if you're working with your community, you're actually wanting to get people from the community on board with what you're doing. So actually, they start to, to agree with your stance, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of like knockoff DVDs and things like that. If you're trying to empower people to not do that, then that message will will eventually get round, and then you'll get people who become passionate about that. Mm -hmm. You can then get involved, yeah, and actually can can get involved on a particular aspect, you know, and that can happen all the way through the chain, yeah, with various various issues rather than it being a, oh, here's a problem, we must solve it, mm -hmm. be solved problem, rather than a, actually this is an issue for the community and they need to take responsibility for it. Um, um, sorry, Ron. I was just going to ask you another question, kind of like to that, so we're, we're thinking revolutionary and big massive themes outwardly, but what about inwardly, Can, what do you think about the church being revolutionary inwardly dissolved? What do you mean to actually revolutionise the church itself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, I think... For me, revolutionary is is a word that's quite you know the ideas are quite fluid. It's always a constant reflecting. It's almost it's strange because you, you hear the word revolution and you think of massive kind of spontaneity almost. Whereas 
I think reflecting and actually evaluating is part of revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually reflect on what your church is doing and whether it's making an impact in the area that you want it to. If it's not, then you change it. And I think that that's the same for church as well. If you're doing a particular style of worship or or praying in a particular way as a church and it's <clears throat> you feel that it's not reaching out or that it's not being of benefit to the members, then you've got to you've got to do something about it. Otherwise you just get stagnant. Yeah. And you know I'm fairly sure God wouldn't be happy with a stagnant faith. Mm. Can I come around to the idea that actually maybe it's revolutionaries perhaps has good connotations around like kind of violent overthrow or something. Like yeah. That. But actually it can be subversive there's the idea that actually change I just guess like you say it's not it's not changing just for the sake of change so a church shouldn't reinvent itself every year necessarily no but it should reassess itself every yeah. regularly you know so that it can make sure that it's relevant and, and fulfills the needs of its people and communicates in a way that they understand and and so yeah but so another another kind of question that just comes to mind there is then is if a church is satisfied, as in not revolutionary, but they're kind of satisfied and they're, does that imply that they're unhealthy and kind of stagnant slightly? Yeah, I think so. I think you can. I think every church can hit a comfort zone where things just seem to be ticking over nicely and everyone's happy. But I'll. But then, are you just serving the people in the church because they're keeping happy? Are you actually then reaching out mm-hmm. because you know everyone seems to be quite happy you've got a good community but actually are you making a difference mm-hmm. um, and I think church should always be about reaching out not reaching out but well, it should be about reaching out but it should be about getting out as well mm-hmm. and making a difference and it should always be about new ways of doing that and it shouldn't be stagnant and it shouldn't be about staying the same. It should always be about looking to try new things, mm. which I suppose is little revolutionist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, is there? An, this is maybe a wider discussion for another time. But the, the question that comes to my mind is: um, Should we ever be comfortable in church? You know, you think of people when they go, yeah. they're, they're looking for a new church to join or something like that, and they, they look for somewhere where they can feel comfortable. But actually. Is that something that we should associate with church feeling comfortable? Yeah. Should, we, should we always be kind of slightly uncomfortable and challenged? Yeah. You know, that is a really interesting question. I think it probably is a bit too big for for adding in here. Um, maybe we can add that into the next. Mm. Um, maybe stay tuned for that one. Yeah, I I I'm kind of drawn still to the outwardly revolutionary thing because I'm kind of thinking like of count, like the message of the gospel in Jesus' time. Was, was revolutionary, revolutionary and still radical, is. countercultural. It was like provocative, challenging, um, all of those sorts of things. It was, it was edgy. Um, it went against all kind of known doctrines and teachings and stuff. Is kind of behaviour frowned upon. There's so many different things there that you kind of think like I don't see any of that in the modern church. No, yeah, maybe churches need to to look back at the gospel and think about how they relate mm. to their communities, global, local, national, in the way that Jesus did. Yeah. 
I think that's probably <laughs> enough content on yeah. that one. Uh, <laughs> but there's more to be added, I think. And if, again, go onto the Facebook page and, and give us your thoughts. Yep, check it out. Um, just look for Sensible on there. There's a discussions tab to click on. So it's time for us to move on to funny thing. It is. I'll let you introduce this one. Would you um, do me that honour? Yes. So, uh, first thing to announce from Funny Thing is the winner of the last uh, episode's um, Funny Thing. <laughs> it was uh, close. Really close. It was. But uh, I am, I nearly said I'm sorry to announce, but I don't know why I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> I would like to announce I, uh, I have one with my yes. um, quantity of anuses in Spanish. <laughs> um, in fairness, that it was good, and I was happy to concede that victory to you yeah. anyway. Um, very magnanimous is that it is yeah it's very good, good. you're yeah. full of the big words today yeah, got the um, so uh, we need to find out who's going to be first I suppose so what shall we toss not the teapot no teapot's not a good idea yeah. and what else have we got over there on the bookshelf of ah, a coaster with strawberries on one side and the usual cork service on the other. Yes. Would you would you like the uh, usual cork service or would you like the uh, I'd like strawberries? the usual cork service. Okay, so the cork. Cork Sir John. Oh. Strawberries for Matt. Okay. It's strawberries <laughs> landing uh, on both our computers. <laughs> nice throw, man. <laughs> So, uh, go for it. so my funny thing is, was one day I destroyed my friend's computer and they punched me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my funny thing uh, is one of those things that you could literally imagine someone on like some awkward TV show doing. Uh, like Ross out of Friends, especially comes to mind. So <laughs> I'm at work. <coughs> I'm running an event, a training event for volunteers, and one of my colleagues has got a volunteer involved. So I've never met this volunteer. Okay. Don't know them. Okay. Uh, I've been introduced to them already halfway through the day. So I uh, sorry in the morning. This is now halfway through the day, and he kind of comes up to me, and we're I don't know five, two feet away, right? So we're having a discussion, and he, and he kind of, he start, he opens up, and says, "Oh, how you doing, man?" And he kind of puts his hand up, <laughs> and I just kind of awkwardly kind of like, "Yeah, I'm alright," and I high fived him. <laughs> And then, and then I was just kind of like, <laughs> now, anybody who knows me would know that I'm not generally the sort of person to be kind of high-fives, but that's not my normal mode of introducing myself. <laughs> so then we just had this kind of awkward, kind of like, and then it kind of occurred to me, maybe he wasn't going to high-five, maybe he was just like fixing his hair, or he was just stretching his arm or something. So then for the rest of the conversation, all I could think about was, <laughs> high five, I high just five. randomly high-fived this guy, and does, is this cool or not cool with him? So I just then had to carry on as though, like, like show me, man, come on, we always high-five. Is that what you guys do? So then I just, I was, I was mortified, so then I just kind of avoided him the rest of the day. That's and to this day, I still, because I mean, you can't just ask him, oh, so we just high-fived there. Uh, was that what you were expecting? Or not, because I mean, I could take the high five back. <laughs> you should then, you should have gone around and high fived everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> just to cover up. So, yeah, that is my um, socially innate funny good. thing. That is funny. Mine, um, it's kind of a socially 
kind of social type of situation, but very different. Um, I was walking down to see you actually uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I was walking. It's about half an hour walk, um, and I'm quite competitive. And this guy passed me. I wasn't really walking fast at the time, but he passed me. I thought, oh, I'll let him go. It's fine. But he wasn't going very far ahead of me, and we were walking in the same direction. I thought, you know what? I'm going to walk a bit faster. So I walked up to him, and I was walking behind him. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to take him. So I walked past him. <laughs> so I walked past him, and then we got to some traffic lights, and he caught me up. So I had to wait for the green man. But then there was this other guy as well that we had kind of walked up beside us. And it could see that all three of us were itching to get across <laughs> the the road. And it was like Formula One with waiting for the red light, waiting for the kind of red light to go out. And it had the green light came on. And the three of us just tanked it across the road. <laughs> but this new new guy that joined was so wanting to stay ahead of us that he kept he wasn't fast enough to walk, so every now and again he would just skip. He'd skip, he'd skip ahead a few paces, and then we'd kind of catch him up. And this was happened all. If you know, if you know Glasgow, if you know the West End of Glasgow, this was this happened all the way down Byers Road. Um, all three of us. This is kind of uh, half eight, nine o'clock in the morning, so there's loads of people around. We were just tanking it down the road. And it was just, oh, it was hilarious. I had to cross the road, so I had lost a couple of seconds in doing that. But I was looking back across to the other two, and the, the guy was still skipping away to try and keep ahead of the other guy. Oh, I was in hysterics. It was so funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Talk about So competitive walking for a Thursday morning. Yeah, I recommend it. It was good fun. Oh, that's superb. Um, okay, so get on the Facebook page. Um, and Or tweet us on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and just say that you're voting for Funny Thing of Episode 6, Season 2, uh, and just say who you want to vote there for. So John and his... Um, Competitive walking. Yeah, or uh, my um, awkward high five. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, I think it's time for Spiritual Caffeine. So, this episode of Spiritual Caffeine, um, we're looking around this idea of um, preparing and writing a sermon. And we're thinking that even for people who aren't ever maybe going to deliver that, you know, they're not preachers, they may never actually do the sermon, that they actually there's something to be gained by preparing one. Um, maybe you want to elaborate on... Yeah, I think you're right. I remember when I've ever prepared a sermon, I've always learned something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's the good thing about doing it, is that you're not just doing it so you can, you know, it's it's not just about telling other people what you know I think a a good sermon is when you've actually got into the issue and found out new Mm. information uh, and you've you've it's not just about knowledge it's about your heart as well it's about learning something new about God and how he responds to you and to the church or to a particular issue in your life and that always happens whenever I've prepared a sermon it might be a a little thing but it might be a, a big kind of thing that's helped me um so, uh, it, you know, it can take as, as long or as short kind of as you want it to do. And you don't have to, like, sit down and spend three hours. You could sit down, spend 15 minutes, come back to it another day, yeah. go on and just keep building on it. Uh, a good way to prepare sermons, if any of you that haven't ever done it, uh, you know, obviously uh, look at the verse, find out a, a verse that you're, <clears throat> you're interested in, but then look at the, the passage as a whole and the context of the book to get a feeling of... Um, 
how the whole yeah. thing was written. And then maybe find some commentaries on that passage as well, yeah, find out what other people are saying about it. And then if it's a particular issue, then maybe do some reading around that issue as well. And uh, Yeah, no, it's just a really good, mm-hmm. a good way of learning. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I heard the preacher say once, you know, I get far more out of this than you do. Yeah. He's talking about sermon aside. And also, I like the idea that, um, you know, the best sermons ever in history, probably, they weren't written by man, they were written by God and just delivered by man. Aye, that's so true. So, um, you know, like, it's not, the more you delve into that stuff and prepare it, then hopefully God will be speaking to you through that. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a lot of listening, a lot of discerning, yeah. John, like, a lot of listening to what God's trying to say to you is required in preparing yeah. a sermon. People can, when they think about sermons, preparing, they probably think it's quite a dry, oh, I have to do this kind of thing, yeah. but actually it's a really fascinating Mm-hmm. experience yeah. when you get into it yeah because lots of people do say things like you don't learn things properly until you have to teach it to someone else that's true. explain it to someone else so, yeah. yeah so that's our idea for spiritual caffeine yep for this episode so enjoy that one yeah. uh, and i suppose that's it for this episode yes yeah. Yeah. just need to sum up a couple of things yeah remember that we've changed the itunes feed so you need to check that out that's right get on the new one if you have any ideas for church we'd love to hear them uh, again, go onto Facebook and add them onto the discussion tab of Centre Light. We uh, we announced last episode that we were using Twitter now. That's right, yeah. So get on there and tweet us. Yeah, Centre Light, all one word. Yeah, tweet it up. Tweet it up big time, aye? Right. I think that's probably it. 